0: you're not on a platform but you just have your own protocol that you use to send and receive data and uh, like uh, value to each other then you don't have to fear being deplatformed if you are um don't have a fear of being deplatformed then you're much freer to speak your mind right you can be like yeah come come take it
1: Happy Monday, Liberty Kitty Cats, and welcome back to Lions of Liberty with Mark Clare. Very excited to talk to my guest today. A young man who I first encountered in Sayulita, Mexico at the Sayulita Super Spreader event put on by our good friend, Johnny Perfita of the Peddling Fiction Podcast. And he is not the first person, or he is the first person, he's not the last person, I should say, that I first met at that event that you'll be hearing from on this show. Just goes to show the value of attending in-person events with like-minded people. I can't I, I can't really state enough, and we're going to attempt to do that some more this coming year through live. Liberty. I'm going to try to make it to some more events because it really is so valuable. Not just for you know the fun of being in in the room and, and hanging out with like minded people, but really just the networking and the connections that you make there. Uh, connections that can last. For who knows how long? Uh, as we really find, especially in the times that we're coming into here, where we really need to find our like-minded people, we really need to. to if we're really going to form an alternative, form a parallel economy. We got to find each other. We got to find these people. So, so glad to do that. Thanks to Johnny and uh, Peddling Fiction and all the great people that I met out there in Sayulita. Uh Before we get to our conversation today, I want to remind you guys. Hey, I'm here in Mexico. I'm putting in all my effort into podcasting. I'm putting in all my effort into my personal projects. Because I wouldn't. Allow my liberty to be violated. That's right. So, if you want to support me, support us here at Lions of Liberty, please do head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty or our locals page, lionsofliberty.locals.com. of You get live slash early access to most, if not all, of my interviews, bonus shows like Conspiracy Corner, uh, Degenerate Gamblers, Good Morning Fuckhead from Brian each and every weekday. There is just so much goodness behind that paywall and so much, so many more benefits you can get depending on your level. You can even produce an episode of this program. You can get mentioned on this program. There's just so much great stuff. Monthly calls with Brian, John, and I. The fun never ends. So check out everything we're doing at the Lions of Liberty Network and on our Patreon at patreon.com slash lions of liberty locals at lionsofliberty.locals.com. That being said, it's time to welcome in my guest today. He is a former Bitcoin cash developer. He is also the creator of Lotus. And we got to meet recently in Sayulita, Mexico. I'm very pleased to welcome Tobias, I'm gonna try it. Tobias Hruk, how was that? That was that was really good. Yeah, I like that. All right, not bad for a for a gringo, huh? Um <laughs> Tobias, before besides asking your name, I of course have to ask you the traditional Lions of Liberty question. I have to confirm, are you ready to roar? I am ready to roar. All right, excellent. I thought I thought you would be a couple of things I want to talk about with you today, but um, I really want to learn a little bit more about you. You know, we had to uh, share some few drinks in Sayulita and such, but I want to learn more about your background and specifically, kind of how you came to where you are in life. I, I think when I met you in Sayulita, you had just arrived recently in Mexico. Uh, prior to that, I think you were in Saipan, you were in Korea. How did how did all of this stuff start? And you can take it from wherever it makes sense, whether it's your interest in cryptocurrency or your your physical travels. Take it from wherever you think uh, is appropriate.
0: So it started all when I was born... No, like uh, apparently when <laughs> right, apparently it's gonna be a when I was everybody. like apparently when I was like two months old or something or like a very small age I already started like plugging out the cables from the back of uh, our TV really? and like instead of getting a teddy bear or whatever I just cuddled with those cables. So I think my interest in computers <laughs> <laughs> was from very early on. It's
1: like I think it's a product of also like when I talk to people that have a slightly different accent, sometimes it's a little harder to detect sarcasm than it normally <laughs> would be. So I don't even know if you're just making this up or if it's true, and I I, I don't even want.
0: No, that's all true. I, I got the receipts. I got I got the <laughs> footage apparently.
1: Yeah. All right, I love it.
0: <laughs> so yeah, then I um I don't know, did, did school, went to HP for a while. But um, this this corporate thing just wasn't really for me, right? So then I started my uh own company with someone else that after HP basically uh, that didn't quite work. So um then I started another company, Bcash.
1: Is HP like the European equivalent of like what you would refer to as like undergrad or, or oh no it's like uh, Herbert Packard
0: oh you mean the company okay. yeah the company okay.
1: HP. we're skipping okay I got
0: you. yeah and so HP then did my own business and then switched over to Bcash because I wanted to get into the crypto space right I was like crypto adjacent but then I was like okay I I have I had this discovery basically what I was able to do were uh, crypto smart cards but um what I realized is that the that's probably an invention that's way too early for for whatever like that That's not like payments isn't really what the crypto market is really interested in right now, and it's not the immediate application. So then I basically um yeah, worked worked on other things. Um that was also the time where I was um also working on Bitcoin cash, right? I added a bunch of upcodes. I was part of every single war, right the uh, the bitcoin cash war, the bitcoin uh, s v or and then later the eCash war your seasoned soldier
1: of the battlefield.
0: So it's seasoned soldier absolutely uh and it, it it I think it gives people like there's a difference between like understanding like how blockchain works in theory, right, how it's like resistant to attacks and so forth and like actively defending against those attacks yourself and like feeling the uh, incentives uh, at play uh like play themselves out. And uh yeah, I think this is what a lot of eCash developers have this um Unique perspective that um, like Bitcoiners are just like oh no it's it's secured by the miners and then they stop because it's secure right but um, if you were under attack then it's a very different different story and then um, I was like th- there was like this big issue in eCash that. Like I already knew that if we want to have if we want to have something that's usable in commerce, because that's what I'm all about. Like I want to have something that I can use, that I can use to decouple myself from basically um, they, like whatever that means, like the, the banks, the financial institutions, the um, people who want to control us. And so I started. Um, I started uh, Lotus which contrary to bitcoin uh, has a built-in stability mechanism right so it's um it's not a stable coin it's it's not even really an algorithmic stable coin maybe but uh, it's something where like um, it reacts to supply and demand a little bit just enough so that you can use it like without like being ha- like having to worry about uh, the price all the time we're still early right so the the stability stuff didn't quite kick in yet but yeah i think that's that's the very compressed version of my uh, CV, I guess.
1: What was your initial interest in cryptocurrency? Was it more just you know? Was it more the engineering side of it? Like you enjoy working on this kind of thing, or did you did you have? I mean, early on, I know later on, you know, like you just described, you want to use it to break free from the system. Was that your was that your thoughts early on, or or did it take kind of being involved in the community to to get to that point that you really had that more philosophical motive behind it? I think it was always philosophical, but it it basically was the perfect
0: match because I always was interested in in technology. And I I always was like searching for like, because you don't get that taught at all in Germany, really, right? It's like, okay, like, the state is good, therefore, like uh, capitalism is bad, uh, communism is bad. Therefore, we need a perfect mixed system, and there's no debate, right? That's that's like a politics
1: education in in Germany, basically. Like, we already figured this out, so yeah, no need to discuss this anymore. No need to have like debate. We tried to, like, literally everything. We went full fascism for a minute. <laughs> we tried everything.
0: Which, like, to be fair, like you could make an argument for that. That like we went through everything. Let's just stick with, with what we had have right now. But yeah, so I had, uh, I was like, st- I was like a little bit like, because a lot of the stuff I was told at school was like just wrong, right? Like verifiably wrong, especially like, I think the most important one was uh, federal, like central banking, right? Where it's like, wait, and, and a fractional reserve banking. Where it's like, this is just a scam. Like, why, why is nobody talking about this? This is absolutely incredible. And from there, I went down the rabbit hole, went into like all different friends uh, of ideas. Um, and that actually also got me interested in Bitcoin unfortunately a little bit too late right so initially I, I actually saw bitcoin very early on but that was when i was still in school and not really interested in like different currencies or whatever so then later i, I discovered it again like i don't know which year exactly but like maybe like 2015 or something and then i actually started buying a little uh, and also like selling a little back and forth and um and then i really dug into the technology itself and that was that was basically in, an infinite journey thereafter, right? Like, because uh, Bitcoin is so technically, it's like it's philosophically complex, but it's also technically incredibly complex. So, um, I mean, the basics the basics are very simple, right? Like proof of work and so forth. But if you want to like really understand, okay, how does a transaction work and so forth, it really uh, takes time. But it's a, an amazing adventure, right? Because it's something we never had before um, ever, right? right.
1: That's the thing, like I, I, over the years, for a long time, I didn't do a lot of episodes about cryptocurrency, largely because I, I didn't fully understand it for a long time. And not that I fully, I not think you ever necessarily fully understand it. I, I think I understand a lot better today than I did six months, a year, certainly more, certainly five years ago. Um, but I also think that along the way, a part of my misunderstanding of it is because even the people that I would find out there talking about it. Turns out when I look back they didn't really understand it either. So I'm kind of curious what do you think are some of the biggest misunderstandings that I don't know if you want to say the crypto world at large have or if you maybe want to more specifically address sort of the the libertarian or the liberty world what 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 do they see what are the wrong takes that you see out there about cryptocurrency whether it's whether you want to go technical or you want to just go the, the bigger picture here.
0: Oh boy, where to start? So maybe maybe I'll just
1: pick two. This could be three hours probably. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, pick two. Pick your favorite two. How about that? So
0: I think the first one is that Bitcoin is uh, digital gold or like crypto in general is like digital gold. Um, Because I I think it's just a like it's a um, like means of exchange. Right, in two ways it's a means of transferring value but also a means of transferring like uh, communication right like this this thing right now could could be running and maybe it will run in like 20 years when like uh everything is controlled maybe it will run through some kind of um like it will use some kind of uh, blockchain technology in order to uh, prevent against uh, some kind of attack or something but i don't think uh, uh crypto is like just something that you buy and then you sit on it and then after a while you get rich, right? I mean, this is how mm-hmm. some people have used it historically. But the reason that was uh, possible was because of uh, it being usable as a, a means of exchange, right? And so that that's, I think, the, the biggest one that... Um, I think the current space like kind of things and everybody's just posting oh bitcoin fixes this bitcoin fixes this and what they mean is buy bitcoin and then don't do anything with it and I'm like yeah that that won't work and the same thing with uh like um Jordan Peterson now I I used to be like a huge fan of Jordan Peterson and now like I don't know what's going on with him but like he's like, oh, Bitcoin fixes this." And then every tweet he makes where he's trying to sell something, I'm like re- replying, "Can I buy with Bitcoin?" And uh, obviously I can't. I have to use all these centralized uh, platforms. I have to go through all these uh, financial institutions in order to buy his stuff. Um, but still, you know, oh, uh, the the truckers got shut shut down or whatever. Uh, Bitcoin fixes this. And yeah, and then you have a trucker, he uh, gets, I don't know, thirty k of Bitcoin or whatever. And then he's like, okay, now I have this Bitcoin. What do I do with that? My bank account got shut down, Kraken or whatever exchange won't uh, allow me to open an account. And now I'm just stuck with this. Uh, like no places really accept that. I mean, Bitcoin is not that bad on that front, but it's like they're like kind of actively fighting against the idea of using uh, Bitcoin in commerce. So I think that mm-hmm. that is like uh, this, the thing the of the same coin. Um, like if it's just an investment. And it's not a means of exchange, right? And I think the second one um, is that Bitcoin, like the way it's designed, is unscalable, right? And scalable in this uh, case means that, um, like, if you if you throw two times the amount of, amount of hardware at it, you will get two times the amount of um, transactions per second at it, right? So currently, Bitcoin has uh, seven transactions per second. And if you had like twice the uh, resources, like computing resources, then you would get um, 14 transactions per second if it was scalable, right? And everybody before that was like, oh, no, Bitcoin is not scalable, right? It can only ever uh, process seven transactions per second on the entire network and uh, everything. And I was like, uh, I always was like, no, there's more, there's more. And then Bitcoin Cash came along and, uh initially i was a little reluctant because the presentation was a little um out of the blue but then later uh, i was like oh yeah this makes much makes much more sense they increased the number times eight so 800 percent more transactions per second and with a goal to like scale really really big right and uh actually it was amory sachet who started that and he had like a good solid plan of like how to how to scale this thing right like Canonical transaction ordering to to drop a few names like uh, putting the outputs into the uh, transactions to allow some parallelization and um and like uh, transaction malleability like doing all of these things and uh, then he was talking about they're talking about that we went through war after war um, the community got smaller and smaller and more fractured and f- focused on things that it previously wasn't uh, caring about. And then the CBDC paper drops from the from the Boston Fed and MIT uh, Digital Currency Media Labs, and basically we're like, okay, here's how we how we can scale our um, our Federal Reserve Coin, right? And you have to keep in mind, like, they really have to go through everything that's on the um, on the um, like on the market, right? Like, what what different technologies could you theoretically use to make a digital currency? And they basically picked whatever Omri was talking about. They basically picked Bitcoin. So I'm like, okay, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, he kind of nailed it the first time. He, he, he did some mistakes here or there, but like back then, he wasn't probably concerned about scalability at all uh, initially. But whatever uh, he came up with, that, um, whatever came Satoshi up with, with some, min- uh, with some modifications here or there, um, that is what the Federal Reserve wants to use now at least the UTXO model. Of course they removed the mining just to uh, uh obviously they removed that but um it's quite ironic that um you know people have been saying oh bitcoin doesn't scale bitcoin doesn't scale and then the fed comes along and it's like no uh we built this
1: not on bitcoin but on our no thing. when you're us we can scale it we yeah. have unlimited resources <laughs> Uh, Cool. Let's let's circle back to the CBDC in a bit. I want to hone in a little bit more on um, on the first criticism you have, because I think this is it's the biggest you have the little wars within the Bitcoin community and the forks and all of that. That's one kind of battle that goes on. But there's kind of this wider battle of those that I think those like you who see uh, Bitcoin. I'm saying Bitcoin, basically, to speak of cryptocurrency conceptually as a means of exchange, a means of exchange outside the system. Um, whereas there is another segment that maybe they see it as that too. Maybe not, but they they seem to be promoting it primarily under the you know the holdall moniker that this is something you acquire, something you hold on to, and if we all do that and we all just sit on it then it will continue to you know to grow and gain our wealth and that's how we'll break free from the system because of the wealth it seems to be the focus we'll be so wealthy from this that you know we'll be untouchable not not a, it doesn't seem to be the focus doesn't seem to be about the technology and why technologically it can it can free you from the system so can you dig into what why you see the investment mentality i guess seeing it as something you buy something seeing it as something as gold that you might just store in a vault and just hedge against inflation and in in 30 years, you you take out that gold and you can you can spend it all and you feel rich because they destroy the dollar. What's wrong with that mentality, even if it even if they do agree with the technological aspect of it?
0: Oh, I actually don't think there's a lot wrong with that. Um, It's just I think the reverse, like the how do you say the like saying, oh, it's not meant to be a means of exchange. It's just meant to be digital gold. Right. Like um, you're not supposed to use it in commerce um like they, they actively discourage people so, so like some maximalists i mean i'm i'm painting broad strokes because they were like oh there'll be lightning network and and whatever but like there's the subsection who are like oh no it has to be collectible like that's the most important and then maybe later we can use it as a medium of exchange right but i think that's totally the reversal what it should be is like it's a means of exchange and therefore the price goes up and'm i don't have anything against uh you know getting rich and getting wealthy but um nice. like if it's like there there's two problems there first of all like if it's just um about how do you say if it's just about like oh we just all buy this and then it goes up in value then like there's there will always be people who lose out right there will be the people who invest in that the last right and mm-hmm. they they will lose out and second of all it will uh, eventually collapse right like cuz of huge uh, price swings i mean we see that all the time in crypto i'm I'm not saying it's all gonna burn to ashes but i'm saying it's going to go up and it's going to go down and uh it, there might be in a few years a crash where like people get really really burned right where they lose a lot of money and then what will happen because like people are just humans they will be very upset at bitcoin and they even might want to start demand uh, regulations, right? And this will be um, great prey for the state or regulators or whatever. And they will be able to like put some poor woman who like uh, bought some who who spent all her life savings into Bitcoin because her whatever like she got a message on Telegram to do you that. You don't want
1: Grandma Brunhilda to have to lose all her wealth. Look what happened to Brunhilda.
0: Exactly. and i'm i'm very I'm very concerned about that that like uh, this will be perfect um, like justification to like put all sorts of stops and uh, checks on on bitcoin. and And I don't think it's that hard to, how do you say, like force um, such an outcome. Um, you just have to hit the right time because the state has a lot of Bitcoin, right? They ceased from a lot of like drug deals or whatever they seized a lot of Bitcoin and they if they wanted to they could crash the the bitcoin price right now it doesn't make any sense right because uh like they can use it to do like their own dark trades yeah which right that's one of the features (laughs) that you can do with bitcoin (laughs) but um yeah um if you just if you just focus on investment and bitcoin by design is very unstable right because um We libertarians are all about like matching supply and demand, right? Oh, there's like a central, there's some central planning there for the prices uh, go up or whatever. Um, But with Bitcoin, we have the same thing, which, you know, like you could like, that's fine. But Bitcoin has 6.25 new Bitcoins every 10 minutes. And that's fixed, right? If there's more people who want to buy it. It doesn't change. It's still six point two five. It halves every four years, right? But uh, other than that, it doesn't change. And um, then the only thing, if demand uh, changes, the only thing that can happen is that the price changes, right? So just by by design, Bitcoin will will be very uh, volatile, right? And um, yeah, that's that's actually what I wanted to fix with Lotus, and uh, I've been working on for the last while.
1: I guess my concern would be that if if it's seen primarily or promoted primarily by a large contingent of people as an investment and they're not promoting it as much as like in, in putting that energy that energy is not going to building infrastructure infrastructure to building new payment methods to actually promoting it as commerce as a vehicle for commerce then like you said when that day does come and it, it's funny because the way you're speaking is not all that different from what peter schiff says will happen eventually there will be some people that there has to be mathematically some amount of people. If the point of this for a lot of people is to hold it till a certain point to get rich, that does imply that they will sell it at that point to use. To, if they, especially if they're not focusing on the, using it as as an actual peer to peer transaction system for if they're not actually using it as as commerce. So you know when when that big day does come, here you're going to get those people that used to be proponents of it. Many of them who are left holding those bags, they're going to say. Bitcoin was a scam all along. When it maybe it wasn't a scam all along, it was just that they were looking at it in the wrong way the whole time.
0: Exactly. And I mean if you like if you look at like subversion and so forth, like of course the state is going is going to try to subvert Bitcoin in one way or another. And if you can like turn it into something that just goes up and down in value and people gamble on it. Then that that is much, much less of a threat to the u s. dollar than using it as a means of exchange. right? The value of um the u s. dollars, why it's why it gives where the power of it comes from, is because of um like it's the means of exchange, right? Like you have to use it in commerce or you um, like do, that's what's accepted, right But if people start to use it as a means of exchange, then um, you undermine the power of uh, Bitcoin. So um, like anyone who thinks about that for like a few seconds is like, oh yeah, of course the state is going to do everything to undermine uh, Bitcoin as a means of exchange. And I'm not sure if we saw that here. There's some people who are like heavy proponents of the theory that like um, there was state involvement in like um, turning that
1: narrative. I mean, there are some that think Satoshi was just like a CIA operative that created this whole thing to excite and then enslave us i guess is is the one theory out there.
0: yeah but i don't see any evidence for that and actually quite the contrary so it seems like um there were like the problem is proof of work is just too resistant right like if it if it was done by the cia then it was more like a coup against the like a, a, as a counter measure but I don't think any of that really makes sense, um, especially now that they have their own CDBC, which removes all of the inventions that uh, we added to to bitcoin and I think if we want to go through that conspiracy hole, then it's much more likely that um, bitcoin had like nice uh, um, means of exchange properties and like very well designed for that and then but there was like this one thing that um, Satoshi put in there as a like at, at at that point, it was like a spam prevention mechanism, so that like it wouldn't be so easy to just shut down if you had a little bit of money, which is the uh, one megabyte uh, block size limit, which he added like way back then. But it's still there this very day, right? Like uh, we haven't removed that, and if we if we had removed that, then like the likelihood that Bitcoin would be usable as currency and commerce would be way way higher, um, and like people now almost religiously go around this uh, 1 megabyte limit that is something that should never ever be uh, removed or something because otherwise bitcoin uh, will centralize in the hands of a few notes or something and um uh like of course you could argue that but there's always a trade off right i think the like it's much more important that we have something that replaces the us dollar than that we have something that uh is completely um how do you say like like it, security shouldn't be like the 100 percent focus of bitcoin in my view like you should be able to use it it should have good user experience right all of these things um they are very very important of course security very very important and we have to spend resources on that but we shouldn't like completely sacrifice everything everything else for that because uh, you could probably put some Benjamin Franklin quote in there about security and freedom, uh,
1: right? But yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll insert that in in an uh, edit and post edit. Um, <laughs> um, so I kind of want to dig a little bit more now into the CBDC, the the white paper itself. We can get into it first, and then really where you see all of this going because. We'll get to it, but I, I first we'll just talk about what you've seen from the actual. Maybe you can touch on the technical aspect a little of it, because you said it is is based primarily just on Bitcoin. Uh, so what what are the similarities that it has, and, and where did they go? Where did what, what kind of different turns did they take? What kind of ability would the the, the centrally regulated uh, CBDC have to do that can't really happen with Bitcoin?
0: Yes. So I think the, like I was reading the white paper, someone tweeted it. I think Cyprian tweeted it. And then I was like, oh, I got to read this. And I was like expecting something, how do I say, like something boring or something like, oh, it's, you know, just some old tried technology or whatever. But then I saw that they actually went for the UTXO model. So that is uh, like a very technical term, but um, it's basically as opposed to the Ethereum model. So in Ethereum, what you have, it's more like the like a no- normal banking model where everybody has their account, right? In, in Ethereum, it's like everybody has their key. And if you sign a transaction, you're like, okay, send money from this account to that account. Same thing that we're very used to, right? The problem there is, and I'm not sure if Satoshi was aware of that or not, is that the order of transactions is highly relevant, right? So if I send money to, to you, uh, and I like, let's say I send $100 to you, but I only have $100 on my bank account, but then I make the same transaction at the same time to someone else, right? Maybe to my mom or something. Um, and I send those both on the network. Then there has to be an order, like which one came first? If, the first came, if, if yours came first, then that one will be the valid one and the next one will, will be invalid. Right. But if the other one came first, right, it's the reverse. Um, and in Ethereum, you inherently have these uh, sorting things. And there's actually it's called like Ethereum, people will be like very aware of, of those attacks. Like there's uh, ordering attacks where you can take a transaction and then execute that one first and then the next one. And then you can extract more money from that or something. Right. where like the miner can be smart about the ordering. Um, and so the ordering on Ethereum is very, very important. On Bitcoin, however, it, it's almost like all the transactions in a block occur at the same time, right? Like they all switch places in like one go, more or less, right? Like all the transactions are um, like they have to like the fir- they have to reference um, each other, but uh, through the hashing, that is uh, ensured that like you can't have s- circles or something that that obviously uh, wouldn't make sense. But I think the best analogy for a for a Bitcoin transaction is that assume uh, like take you have like a wallet right and in there are different coins and they can be actually any size right they can be like one bitcoin 1.25 bitcoin or whatever and then you put all of those into like a cauldron of of different coins and then you pour that out again, and break the result into different coins again, and then give them to different recipients. So one could go to you, one could go go to uh, to back to my wallet, and so forth. And uh, that one is called the coin model, right? Because it is like coins. You you take coins, you put right. them in cauldron, you mint them, you get new coins. Same
1: thing you could theoretically do with actual gold, except it's a lot more difficult. <laughs> to exactly. do with real
0: gold, right? That you need like. <laughs> you need like uh energy and expertise and you need to stamp it again and and so forth
1: some guy willing to be there stirring it around or, or whatever i've never you know never poured gold in the culture myself
0: maybe new hampshire they do that but yeah in bitcoin we do that like every single transaction so i think that might be an easier way to to get to learn the intricacies of uh uh gold pouring only that it's bitcoin um right. and yet yeah, that that has been the model and the thing there is is uh, is uh because all transactions occur at the same time they are already like almost implicitly ordered i'm not sure how to explain that but like if i give you if i give you a coin and then you give that coin to someone else like we don't have to order that it's just like implicit in the fact that we hand over these coins right like if if it's a physical coin whereas with a bank account you have to have this uh, like ordering and what i what i then read in the cbdc paper was like they use that exact model right like they they use this coin model that Bitcoin. Like we haven't seen that before anywhere, right? Like Bitcoin was the first place. It's in the Bitcoin white paper, uh, somewhere in the middle. Um, it's the transaction, like how how you how do how do the, how they do the splitting and so forth. Um, it's in there, and and they just use that, right? They use that thing, um, where it's a little different. Um, like they do some uh, optimizations, right? Uh, so you can process them in parallel much easier um and you can like shard it very easily things like that uh, things that ecash also wants to do uh which was the ironic part when i read that and then but the i think the much bigger implication which everybody wants to hear is the lack of a blockchain right so um it's basically just a pool of coins and every transaction updates those coins right there's no block there's no like hashing there's no mining whatsoever And all of that is removed. Um, And basically, there's three operations you have on uh, on the CBDC. You have Mint, you have uh, Send, and you have Redeem. And uh, maybe you can get more into those. But basically, Mint is issuing new currency. Uh, transfer is like sending coins that, that is what we would do what the plebs would do and then redeem is um, removing coins from the supply again
1: all right guys i gotta take a quick time out to tell you about our good friends carlos and vanessa abalar and their incredible cbd company paloma verde cbd you can find them at palomaverdecbd.com. And there is simply nowhere else you should be turning to for your CBD products whether you use them for aches and pains for dealing with a little of that insomnia or just general stress, CBD is a fantastic resource without having to worry about getting all high or anything like that, uh, like you would from the THC component. Uh, This is CBD is purely the non-psychoactive part of the marijuana plant, Uh, extremely helpful for all, all sorts of things. Also for your pets, it can really help your pets too. And you can find everything you could possibly need tinctures, gummies. The gummies, my God, the gummies are delicious. You can find them all over at PalomaVerdeCBD.com. But the best part is you got to use promo code ROAR and you will get 25% off any order over $75 and free shipping. That's right. And free shipping. Check it out, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Do not forget to use that discount code ROAR. For a tremendous discount. What is the effect of that of redeeming a coin and removing them su- from the supply? Why why does someone do that and why does someone keep it out of the normal supply?
0: What the Federal Reserve is doing obviously is like managing the money supply. So sometimes they increase it, that would be mint, and sometimes they decrease it, that would be redeem. But if all the like if all the coins are in one database, right? And of course, it's like distributed in, amongst different servers, so you can't just attack one server and like destroy all the money. But um, if it's all in one in one hand, right? And um, if you execute the redeem um, command, it has to be obviously signed by the central bank. Uh, once you do that, the money is removed from the money supply. And the funny thing is it's even, or maybe not so funny, the scary thing is that... there's no log of that. I mean, maybe they store it privately somewhere, right? Like maybe they have like their own shady little archive that like where all the transactions go through. And like, let's be real, they 100% absolutely have that because this data is way too valuable to not do that. But um, in the official paper, like they are like, oh no, we have to make this private, right? We don't want anyone to like leak their information and so forth. Um, It's a security
1: feature, of course.
0: Yeah, it's it's totally secure this way. And uh, and what that means is that like if they remove your coins from and, and, and this is basically like removing coins from your wallet. The analogy would be like you have a hundred dollar bill and they are like, Okay, this serial number is now invalid, right? Like you have a specific uh number on your on your on your um paper on your piece of paper that's called money. You go to the you go to the store, and you hand over the, the money. They check the money and they're like, no, this is counterfeit, right? This would be the equivalent of executing the redeem option.
1: So basically, they could they could take, they, just to kind of put this in layman's terms, they could essentially, like the analogy you just made. If you had, let's say, six hundred dollar bills and your, in that's what you have, that's your wealth, that's what you own, and you're walking around with that in your physical wallet here, you could have that same six hundred dollars or cbdc whatever it may be and they could just press a button and basically do the equivalent of declaring those those specific six 100 bills don't work so now you bring those 600 hundred dollar bills to the store and they're like oh no these are invalid these are invalid same thing with the, their coins only they just would no longer be there they would just be removed from the system and it's not like you could go get them back they just don't they don't exist anymore they don't function anymore. and it is as if they never existed
0: right right so it looks like you just made up because um like, uh, Vin talked about this on the Hotep Jesus uh, podcast that, like, mm-hmm. you actually have to store all the transaction details. You have to store your balance. You have to store your keys. You have to store the serial number. This is not stored by the Fed, right? So, you have to store that and you have to hand that over to the merchant, right? You have to be like, okay, here, here's, here's the data. Here's, here's my money. And then it would return from the Federal Reserve and it would be like, no, this is actually a counterfeit. Right. so you would be the guy who looks like stupid right you would like you would be like I have to explain mm-hmm. yourself to the merchant why why like you handed them over money that is uh, that is fake right and right. yeah I think for me like that's very scary right that like not only are you um is your money gone you have no proof and it actually the only proof you have is like looking bad onto you. Right. So here,
1: here's the question. Then what what is the purpose of the CBDC as far as let's say the Federal Reserve? And I've seen that there are like hundreds of uh, hundreds of like different central banks around the world that have have adopted or have like mentioned that they want to have their own CBDCs. So this is not just limited to the United States and the U.S. Federal Reserve. What is their motive for creating this? Do you, is it something where one day they're just going to tell everybody? your dollars don't exist you have till this day to go to your bank and say i want this to be a cbdc and now now you have to store these private keys to to use money i mean how do you think they're planning to get people to adopt this or is it is it just going to be sorry this is the way it is now this is what we have to do because the dollar sucks so much oops and obviously you can't see the future but i'm, I'm curious your, your thoughts i don't know that much
0: and it's a like this is all pure speculation and i think we could just Like imagine different scenarios. So I think the one that is like the most effective, I guess, is just make a hyperinflation, right? And like it's in the hand of the Federal Reserve to be like, oh, oopsie, we printed too many US dollars, uh, but we have this digital currency um, and now use that instead. And they actually did do that in Germany, right? They started with the Reichsmark and then they switched over to the Rentenmark. And they were just like, okay, this is is hyperinflated. We now use this instead. And, you know, people immediately trusted it, I guess, because this time it won't hyperinflate. Um, It did. And uh, I think this is what they could do, right? To, like, force uh, replacing all the money supply through a different currency. Because then people would be like, why would I use, like, this dirty paper money or this dirty bank money if I can just use this, like, um, stable, like non-hyperinflating uh, CBDC money. This is just one scenario that they could do. I think the other one would be like the less uh, harsh one, where they um, like are like, oh, if you want to get your stimulus check, you have to like it, it can only you can only get it through the CBDC, right? And then maybe later, like, oh, if you want to pay your fines or your uh, payments to the government, it has to be through the CBDC. Maybe at some point, even the taxes, right? We have to be like, no, this this money has to go, this money has to, like, it has to be from the CBDC money. Otherwise, we reject it, right? This is how they could phase it in. And I would assume maybe it's a combination of both. Uh, I'm not not exactly sure. And and there might be lots of other ways to do it. But... uh, yeah, I think these are the ones that came that, that come to my mind.
1: Let's speculate some more, why don't we? Because when you really pull all the way out here and you look at the last couple of years and you try to look at the bigger picture, what has been ultimately the biggest push at the end of the day, all of COVID, the entire thing, the lockdowns, the all the misery that they put people through, travel restrictions, all of this stuff essentially came down to installing this vaccine compliance system and it seems to me that, that now that the quote-unquote narrative is collapsing it's easy to let it collapse because vaccine mandates are all over the world now uh they're all over a bunch of companies and these vaccine passports exist in u.s cities in the united states of america and many other places so that the technology has been ushered in um and it cannot be a coincidence to me that now we're also seeing the cbdc's come in at, at the exact literally the exact same time so do you care to speculate more on, on that on that connection? It's tough. Yeah, it's like it. It makes
0: total sense that like okay, you have this um, you have this vaccine uh, mandate. You have to have these these paperwork. So now you have digital ID, right? Like you have all of these uh, like passports and. Like you could very easily be like, okay, well now you have to install this other thing, right? It's just about to get people used to this idea that like things are digital and so forth. Um, but mm, how would I say? I don't, I don't actually spend the, too much time on like uh, connecting these things. Like, how how would they do that? How would you do this? So I unfortunately might not be like the guy to like speculate on that. Um, but yeah, I i am, I'm 100% convinced that this is all connected, right? Like once, once, and also like just the sheer trauma, right? You traumatize the whole population after that. And we saw this historically, like every time you have a um, big pandemic with like huge lockdowns and whatever, people are way more like open to change, right? Like, cause everything changed already. So why not change this one as well? So I think this might be the biggest um, factor that like, um, oh, now this is the new normal, right? So, now it's just um, like, oh, we have to like use this uh, new currency now. Um, And of course, you could always say, oh, it needs to like, I I saw these signs like, oh, please use, uh, please don't use cash, please use uh, contactless money, right? And I I was like, there's so many things we touch here, right? There's like a thousand things in the store that I touched. And the money is probably the, the thing I touched the least, right? right? I only touch um, that
1: when I'm going to give it to you. Everything else, I'm grabbing and feeling the whole way along. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, clearly this was always about like getting the digital money. I didn't, ex- I didn't actually expect it to th- go this fast, right? Like they are they are going full speed. And this is actually for me a little bit of a white pill. Because they're going so fast that it's like completely like anybody who's not brainwashed, right? Which right. is surprisingly small amount of people. <laughs> uh, everybody who's, who's not that is um, like seeing like, oh, something is clearly wrong here, right? right? Like something is going on there.
1: There does seem to be a I I think some people kind of refer to it as like a great awakening. And I I don't think it's great in the sense that it's going to be like 85 percent of the world wakes up to this stuff. But I do think that anyone on the fence before anyone that kind of saw things like in a I don't want to say conspiratorial, but it kind of could see like through layers of of things that have been unfolding if they're on the fence not completely right people that might have been telling themselves well it's probably not really that bad when they see this just come out and they see it all here this fast in a two-year time span the the passports to the cbdc then maybe i think those people that were on the fence might be like okay yeah that wasn't crazy no that's what's happening (laughs) so
0: yeah and then you could like what's a little bit annoying is that people only talk a little bit about the CBDC right I mean I think the biggest problem there is that it's quite um technical right because um also it's not like like if you think it through actually it's very scary what they can do because we just talked a little bit about the um about like one detail of like removing money from the supply but there's actually a lot more things that they can do where they have like good reason to do that, but just the way they did it, the way they planned it, it's, uh, it, it, it's causing a very scary result. And the end game will be the total enslavement of, of everyone, right? Like they will know every single uh, action you make and they can, like you, you, you probably won't even really notice when you are like, um, when you are doing things just to basically appease them. Mm-hmm. Cause, uh, like you don't want to lose your money, right? And
1: yeah, I think that, that that is the end game. I think that's the biggest thing to keep emphasizing here is that it's not just like it's not just like something like um when they can just seize your assets or something like that like okay, they steal your money or or whatever. The government orders your bank account frozen even and they take the money you have in the bank account okay that sucks no one no one likes that happening um but then you can go get more money then you can still earn more money uh what's happening here what the they will have the ability to do with the cbdc is not just take away the money you have that day they will take a bit away your ability to use money or the bill the ability to participate in commerce and, th- and that's why i think people like you and a lot of others are focusing on the commerce aspect of of cryptocurrencies because that's that's what we need to be saved from not just to get wealthier i hope everyone gets wealthy along the way please but but also to protect ourselves from being able to even participate in commerce period
0: precisely yeah like that's that is so that is really really important right like really important to like uh focus like to how would i say
1: orient yourself like the, the, the message right
0: here yeah you you have to um you have to keep in mind that this is not just about like what they did to the truckers Right. Right. Or what they did to Putin, they just like froze his bank account. What the CBDC will do is like, oh, no, like any transaction you send, like it will be like it will be just rejected. Right. There's nothing you can do. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you are just completely excluded from the system.
1: You can't go get a job and earn more like that's not going to help. Yeah. Like what are you going to do? Like cash? Cash is gonna be gone,
0: right? Like, are you gonna go use gold, right? You're gonna trade gold coins or whatever. You're gonna use a little saw and like chip away some some gold dust to like pay for your bread or whatever. I mean, obviously that is not gonna happen. Um, and you know, what I think will happen is that people will gravitate towards crypto solutions which uh, which solve that problem, right? I don't think it's gonna be Bitcoin. Um, I don't think it's gonna be a coin that has like um Oh, uh, number go up as their one selling point. I think it's going to be a coin that is like uh, focused on electronic cash, right? Like something that you can use in commerce, something that's peer to peer, um, something that uh, like doesn't require a like that doesn't that doesn't require like huge amount of resources to use, like something that's very easy to use. Um, I think these are all the properties that will be very very important in, in the future. And for me, there's only really two. Like, if you really look at it, there's only really two crypto projects who are, um, who are doing that. Um, and it's eCash and Lotus. And most of the others are like, um, you have like smart contracts, right? Smart. I love smart contracts. I, I was the first guy on Bitcoin Cash to make fantastic smart contracts, um, but like if you sacrifice everything for smart contracts like uh, ethereum is very unscalable because of that right they decided to use an unscalable model and now they are paying the price right it's a model that can only process so many transactions per second and if they want to go beyond they i don't know they have to invent new computers or something right because at some point you hit uh you hit you hit stuff like the speed of light right, right? <laughs> and you can't you can't go beyond that <laughs> So yeah, I think those are my those are my uh, predictions on what is going to happen. And I'm actually very um, I'm actually very optimistic, right? Like this whole CBDC stuff is very like
1: if you think it through, it's very depressing, but um, can be. they are basically validating what we've been doing, right? I think a lot of people look at the importance from the hodl side of cryptocurrency as, "Oh my god, they're destroying the dollar. That's why we need to hold this thing." But you could really look at it from this other angle too of Oh my God! They're going to bring this in, uh, and they're going to implement it. So we need another thing to use, and you know maybe if a bunch of people rush to that one other thing, maybe that thing does rise in value naturally, as it probably would if if a bunch of people rush to that to that one thing or one or two coins or what have you. But the purpose really just it's it's really just about how we're orienting ourselves. And I think if we're if the community at large is orienting itself to just buy Bitcoin or buy whatever and just sit on it and sit on it, it's, at some point you're going to want to cash it out. And where are you going to go to cash it out? You're going to go to Coinbase or some other exchange that has to go through the bank. And if we got CBDC, guess where it's going to go? It's going to go to CBDC. So you're just in the exact same place. Maybe you have more money or something. But maybe you're somebody who did that exchange at the end and you don't have the more money because everyone else doing it is driving it right down. So at the end of the day, yeah, some people might get rich on Bitcoin. Some, A lot of people have gotten rich by hodling and getting out but at a certain time. But the point is they got out at a certain time. Or at least they got partially out or they wouldn't have the Porsche and the house and the, whatever these Bitcoin millionaires have. Um, so, you now, I guess that's just that's my rant on it. But I, what I really want to focus on uh, before we wind up here is... What can the average person do? Like the average person who's not necessarily going to become a a coder or a programmer, or how can they, how can the average person sort of start to set themselves up anyway and educate themselves a little bit more about specifically how to begin using cryptocurrencies as a means of exchange, especially when now, you know, I can't go buy a car with the cryptocurrency. I can't, maybe there are ways to do it. I don't know. Somebody will probably email me and say, no, Ashley, you can do this, but whatever. But I, I generally can't go around in normal life without doing an extra step of maybe like buying a gift card or something like that. I know a lot of people do things that way. If I can't currently really use it in my normal day to day -day transactions, how do I set myself up to be in a position to do so when the CBDC makes, makes the alternative, you know, impossible.
0: So I I actually have some very specific advice there. Cause like I've been in this like for a long time. So it's like some things work really well and others work a little bit less so um i think the biggest one you can do is like acquire some currency that is usable in commerce right like some cryptocurrency that you can use and then whenever is to someone who's not really into crypto is doing you a favor or you ask someone to do a favor um give them a little bit of crypto as a reward like oh hey thanks for doing that thanks for i don't know like um like cutting this uh, video for me or like, oh, thanks for doing that or like some, something like that where, where like you kind of were like asking them to do something mm. and, and, we know that crypto is made to be like very fast to, to like s- send them over so you could be like hey I want to give you some like e-cash. I want to give you some lotus I want to, like,
1: or or whatever a currency of choice like maybe it's Litecoin. And and Tobias lives this philosophy because Tobias gave me some lotus when we met and and told me what wallets I could download to, to take it in so this, this is not just talk. If you meet Tobias he might actually give you some lotus cuz so he definitely lives this philosophy.
0: Oh that's actually 100% true. Yeah, I whenever I meet someone and I know he's like in a similar mindset uh as me um then obviously i'm going to give them some lotus yeah so you can you can live that too right if you want to ed- establish um crypto as a medium of exchange you have to use it right away and obviously it would be great if you could just like go to walmart and pay with crypto or whatever but we know that's not going to happen it's probably never going to happen until like uh, really terrible things happen but if you like maybe you go to a farmer or whatever and you and maybe you buy some you buy some stuff some groceries normally but then you also like as a as a token of appreciation you, you just give them some crypto right You're like hey here's some and and there's like a lot of wallets who are like incredibly easy easy to use we got the lotus vase wallet like uh, lotus vase on app store and play store which is um like I, uh, I, when was it? Two days ago, I showed my grandma how to use it. And like, I tested her afterwards if she still doesn't know how to send and receive through this crypto wallet. And she still remembers it all. She, she knows how to send the coins over. She, she knows how to like, um, scan the QR code. She knows how to press the buttons, even though it's not even in her language. right? But um, if you just do it uh, a few times, they will, they will keep that in mind. And and now she um she like understands that. And if you do that with a lot of people, right, if you do, do that with like ten people, then maybe one of them will also start to do that, right? And um these are like these don't really take that much time. Maybe they take a little bit of courage or whatever, but if you wanna say thank you to someone anyway, because they did something, then I think that's a very good uh, point to to start and like once they have it in their pocket and they actually value it because they it was uh, reciprocity right like they gave you something and you give them something in return and you know it does have a market value so it's not just an empty gesture or something it is something that people on the market actually value um and yeah i think that will be that will be very good for that
1: so to be clear the answer is not to just tell them to holdle or holdle the holdle the lotus <laughs> you don't tell them to holdle the lotus when you give it to them
0: <laughs> well they shouldn't dump it on the market i guess but right. <laughs> uh like if you like i think the the goal is to like hey I, I appreciate you here's some lotus and then later like they can send that over to someone who appreciates it too right. and we're working on on stamp um right now H- have i told you about stamp yet or
1: should i talk about that a little yeah you, you can get, you can talk about it i believe you mentioned it to me before but not you get not in much not in the kind of detail that i could regurgitate it exactly what it is because i think this will get
0: very uh, important for uh in the future because we see all of these and this gets into the protocols not platforms mm-hmm. um concept right we also mentioned that with coinbase so what happened with the truckers to go back to the truckers and i think that will happen to um to russian People, like um, people who want to get their money um, into Russia or something, right? But to stay with the truckers, they got sent over a lot of Bitcoin to support them. But um, what then happened is all of that money went into a single address. I was like, okay, this address, three five whatever, all the money went to this one address. And what they then did, like Coinbase and like Binance and so forth, They all were were like, uh, no, anything coming from that address, like we're not allowed to take that. And um, Canada was very swift with like um, like stopping that. And but the problem there is, first of all, you're using a custodial exchange. But second of all, you're sending all of that money to a single address. And with Stamp, what we're actually doing, when like each individual who's sending money to that person, um, they all send to a different address. Mm right and that address is not known publicly this is only known between the sender and the receiver so the government doesn't even know where the money went right with the truckers it all like they announce it publicly this money is going here right that was with, with stamp
1: you mistake number 1
0: yeah mistake number <laughs> 1 the all the money get, got sent uh, over through this one address and with stamp you hand over your address you still have your address but the address is more like a relay Right, you're like, okay, send to this address. But what actually happens? You establish a communications channel with the sender and the receiver. They negotiate basically an address that uh, that then you can send money to. And the second thing that we also added is that we basically um, encrypt or like privatize the amount and the recipient even more. Right. So if you send over, you usually send like um, all everything in one transaction. Right? But with crypto, you don't have to do that. You can just split it up into like 10 or maybe even 100 individual transactions, which all go to individual addresses. And then like, good luck trying to correlate those, right? They get all put into a block. There's going to be a million transactions of, of those in in the block uh, eventually. And um, then good luck trying to reconstruct, okay, these 10 transactions belong to this guy and these five transactions belong to this guy. Uh, like send uh, like individual sending and this is what all is possible with uh with stamp and most importantly scalably so right because many people talk about like oh yeah bitcoin is not private you should use monero right maybe maybe a little bit of monero and so forth and monero is great right i I like monero it has really cool technology but the problem there is it's very very unscalable right like if you want to use it you have to. Um, at some point, it, it's just going to be be full, right? It's going to be very, very hard to to process transactions, and every transaction you make makes that even harder. So the more people use the system, the harder it is to use, right? So that is that is no bueno.
1: I only received Monero one time from someone, and it uh, it was difficult to get, like to to actually have it show up completed in my wallet. It was the only cryptocurrency right. that ever took. An amount of time that I could think about to actually fully receive.
0: And for me, like, I have my money on Exodus and I, I still can't move it. Like, my Exodus wallet is stuck on some block height. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. I, like, it's not enough money to, like, uh, reinstall everything and, like, move coins over and then try again because mm-hmm. I have some other things in there. And this is all because, um, like, I don't want to shit on Monero too much, but, like, this is all because it's it's designed to be very hard to use, Right. right? and uh with um with bitcoin or with uh ecash and so forth things that we've been using um and with stamp specifically it's just as easy as as any other wallet in fact it's even easier cuz stamp is uh, a messenger right it's a it's similar
1: to signal or uh session if uh, have you used session before i haven't used it but i've i've heard people say i should use it so it's 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 the the, the latest uh, yeah the, the latest one that I've been hearing about
0: yeah it has uh, it also has like the seed phrase thing that you have in crypto where you just store your seed phrase and and then you're good and they have some spam uh, prevention mechanisms I think you have to do some little bit of mining for each transaction or something <clears throat> we actually have something similar in Stamp where you can send over transactions and each time you send it over you have a tiny amount of uh, Lotus that is attached to it, right? So if I send you a message, there's a little bit of Lotus that gets sent into your stamp wallet, right? And this prevents um, spam attacks because, you know, on Signal or whatever, or or Telegram, I get like um, spam messages all the time. And I'm I'm not sure if that uh, ever happened to you, but um like email spam is really really huge because it's a decentralized uh, protocol actually right so anybody can send it but there's no spam prevention mechanism and with stamp we added the spam prevention mechanism um which and and then you you have you have a decentralized network anybody can join anybody can send messages back and forth and yeah and i think this will also be very very important in the future because people are getting deplatformed left and right but if you don't, if there's no platform, if you're not on a platform, but you just have your own protocol that you use to send and receive data and uh, like uh, value to each other, then you don't have to fear being deplatformed. And I think this also has a bigger implication that if you are um, don't have a fear of being deplatformed, then you are much freer to speak your mind, right? Because you can
1: be like, oh, yeah, come, come, take it,
0: right? Yeah.
1: Now, imagine if, if uh, just imagine if the platform like we're discussing today, if it's not just the fear of losing Twitter or the fear of losing Facebook, now the deplatforming is you might lose your ability to participate in commerce. So that's a much scarier deplatforming. Right. And even if people want to tell themselves they will continue to be themselves and speak out or what have you, it's not true. <laughs> I mean, once, once, people re- once it really sets in that if I say the wrong thing, this little thing that I need to use to buy anything at all will be turned off there's no greater de-platform than that. And, you know, we can't predict the future, but we don't have to predict to see what they've implemented and what they're telling you where it's coming. So you don't, we don't need to have a predictive power to see where all this is go, can go and where it will go. If you don't protect yourself in some way. Yeah. Or just stay silent and, and, and continue to do, you know, comply with every mandate that comes in, uh, you know, a shot every three months, whatever it may be. That is the other option. It's just not the option that I like to think most of my listeners are interested in.
0: Yeah, no, it, it will create a, like a psychological chilling effect right where you don't you don't want to talk about that and you actually discourage people from talking about that even though you agree with that um and on the other hand if you know oh i'm prepared right i know how to use crypto i know how to use a wallet i know how to send messages between each other you can also use cash tap which is on eCash. Right. Currently, it's a little hard to get Lotus, which might be a feature because you have to know someone yeah. to like give it to you, right?
1: Yeah, you can't find it on Exodus. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not on Coinbase.
0: <laughs> on, on eCash, it is on Coinbase. eCash is on no, Coinbase. But, oh yeah, Lotus. Um, Lotus yeah. And yeah. Lotus isn't. Yeah. But, yeah. but if you go to cashtap.com, you can create a browser wallet. Right. And this is this can also be done as a, a progressive web app, so you can put it on your home screen. But it's still a website. Right, and that is basically impossible to shut down. You can't remove it from the app store, right? At some point they will be like, "Oh no, you have to re-. like in China, I tried to upload my uh, wallet on China, but they just were like, "No, you, you you can't do that. You can't upload a uh a wallet software onto the Chinese app store, And this is what will happen in the West as, as well at some point. They'll be like, "Oh no, only terrorists use uh, crypto." Right, so you have to be prepared to use something that is not fully custodial, and that is not like dependent on some platform. With Cash Tab, you don't have to like it's just in the it's just in the browser. You have your key there, and the cool thing there is that you can um, like you can even send messages between each other. So we each other would exchange our um, our addresses, and then I could send you a message. It's not as sophisticated as uh, Stamp, and stamp is still uh, under heavy development but Cash tab is already usable right it's uh, very convenient and i i would encourage people to at least try it out right and i think the um the bigger thing and cyprian uh, vin has been very big on that is like he has been doing bitcoin mystery school it's like okay understand the technology behind that, understand the, um I just graduated from my
1: uh, my, wallet, my wallet apprentice course. Oh, you, you also did the wallet? Right? Yep, I just finished wow. it. Wow, that's that's really cool. And it was difficult. Uh, for me, it was very difficult as someone who hadn't programmed before. And, uh, but I, to me, it was, it's really hard to describe. It's kind of like learning a new language or something, you know, where like you can mm. learn, you could learn. You, I, I've, I took four years of Spanish, you know, between high school and college. I met my wife. Started coming to Mexico. I couldn't speak a lick. I couldn't, even though I learned it, mm. I, I couldn't understand it at all. Uh, but I'm, look, I don't have an affiliate program with Vin or anything. I don't get any money for this. But I, I'm just <laughs> giving my honest thoughts, though. But learning it in the way that he teaches it, mm-hmm. where he just kind of throws you into the pool and lets you swim around, not not exactly know what you're doing, but then guides you through it. By the end of that process, maybe you maybe you can't explain it in the in a textbook way, but it does start to click. And I think it's a it's it's the best way to learn and, and tr- start to. Understand understand the the technical end of this side so I, I can't recommend it highly enough
0: yeah i also like i participated in one um Bitcoin mystery school and i mean i already knew everything in there but i like just it there were still some things that like connected mm-hmm. that previously didn't right because i was like oh that's how you can explain it like so i i'm a big fan of that um i'm actually trying to do something similar myself or at least I think what is maybe even more important is um, like maybe people who did that should start explaining it to other people mm-hmm. as well. Right? Like, it, yeah. it almost feels like, um, like I know a few people and they're like, oh, I don't talk uh, about crypto with my friends or whatever, but they talk about crypto online all the time. Right. And I'm
1: like, yeah, just like start explaining the things to your peers. Just like giving the Lotus to people. It's the same thing. Give them some of that knowledge, you know, share some of that knowledge, make it less of a mystery. Start to reveal the mysteries to them as well.
0: Exactly. Like tell them, hey, this is how you can um, like send a transaction or this is uh, like, Maybe even like people ask me what is mining, what is a hash, and I'm like, I just show them here. Like press, you did that in Bitcoin you just Press mm-hmm. the button. Like when did when do you find the leading zero? Okay, we found one leading zero. Let's try two, right? You can do that. Uh, I can do that on my phone, right. right? If if someone is interested, you just hand that over, and whoever wins wins. Um, and it's actually a lot of fun right and people are often generally interested in like okay how does this actually work because they they understand that uh bitcoin being at almost like i think now it's over forty thousand dollars again um that isn't just pure nothingness there's something behind that and if you can give them the the technicalities behind that in a in a way that you understand right in a way that like a normie understands right. then um that is very valuable for the other person, but that's also incredibly valuable for yourself because you learn best by teaching it to others. Right? And I think this is one. This is the biggest thing we can take away from here. Like educate yourself about these technologies, like how they use, why they work, and um, how how you can share value between each other, and then actually share values between each other. Pick a crypto, and um, Spread the love. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I think I think that's a good message to wrap things up on. Spread the love is always a good way to wrap things up. So uh Tobias, <laughs> before I let you go, why don't you just mention you know how people can follow you? I know you're on Twitter and how they can uh find out more, or if they're interested in learning more or even like working on Lotus, how they could reach out to you about that.
0: Yes. So I'm on Twitter, like Tobias Rock, Rook, Rook, um, R-U-C-K, um with like just to be without underscore anything. If you want to learn about eCash, which is a little bigger than Lotus, go to e.cash. Um, And if you want to learn more about Lotus, I think givelotus.org is a good starting point. You can also join our stamp chat. It's t.me slash stamp chat on Telegram, if you have Telegram. And at some point, hopefully, we can move all of that over to Stamp itself. But uh, I think those are the biggest ones, giflotus.org and t.me slash stemchat.
1: All right, Tobias Grook. I think I didn't do too bad. Uh, The the best attempt I can make. Tobias Grook, thank you so much. Keep up the great work. And of course, keep on roaring. Thank you for having me. All right, gang. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with good old Tobias Grook. I just love saying it the way you're supposed to. Maybe it's not perfect, but I think I did all right. Grook. But I do think this conversation uh, surrounding CBDCs and what is to come is literally the most important thing we can be talking about right now. Everything you've thought of the last two years, the coronavirus, uh, the lockdowns, the vaccine, it's all leading to this. It's all for the purpose of what is coming ahead with CBDCs. So I am probably going to talk about it till you get sick of it, and then I'm going to talk about it some more. And maybe I'll shut up about it when enough people are talking about it that I no longer think I need to be. Bearing the cross all the time. Uh, obviously, I'm not the only one out there talking about this. A lot of people have been talking about this, um, but I'm going to push that conversation forward as much as possible, particularly on the action end of things, on what you can do. I don't want to just be like, oh no, the CBDC is coming. It's a nightmare. Run and hide because there's nowhere to fucking hide, guys. There's nowhere to hide, but there are actions you can t- take in your own lives to protect yourselves and make yourself free and help build, don't just become a part of passively, but actually help build the parallel economy. So, Stay tuned because more is a coming. More is a coming from me all over the place. If you want to hear more from me, head over and subscribe if you haven't already to my feed, the Lions of Liberty with Mark Claire feed. You may be listening on the Lions of Liberty Network feed where you get all this content. I'm going to give you some extra repurposed audio, some other interviews that I've been doing in that feed as well. And of course, you can find my Substack, markclare.substack.com. Hey, one more thing. No matter if you listen on the Lions of Liberty Network feed or the Lions of Liberty with, with Mark Claire feed, I'm going to ask you to do this for me. Even if you don't subscribe, go over, look up Lions of Liberty with Mark Clare on Apple Podcasts. Leave that feed a five-star rating and a great review. That's all I ask of you. If you don't want to join our Patreon, patreon.com slash lions of liberty. If you don't want to join our locals, .locals lionsofliberty.locals.com. Those things are wonderfully full as well. But I ask you to just take two minutes out of your time to leave me a great review for Lions of Liberty with Mark Claire over on Apple Podcasts. If you do that, I'll leave you alone, at least until next week. That's all I can guarantee. Uh, until then, my friends, live long and live free and live free and live free and live free.